For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, you Eagle Insiders. It's an Eagles game day on a Monday here on Birds 365. It is not Mac and Mac. It's Mac and Bill, Mr. Colarulo, host of Legal Hands to the Face podcast, jumping in, filling in for Johnny Mac, who is winging his way down to Tampa to cover tonight's game. So Bill will be sitting in for me for the next two hours. We've got a couple of good guests planned. Uh, to join us over the course of those two hours. And, Bill, doesn't it seem like about a month since the Eagles played the last game? I know it's only been 11 days, but, man, when you go from Thursday night all the way to wait till Monday, it does seem like an extended day off, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's crazy. We waited seven months from the Super Bowl, and then we got a Sunday night game, a Thursday night game, a Monday night game. But it was nice yesterday, Jody, to be able to relax and watch the Cowboys lose to the Cardinals, wasn't it? Ooh, Jonathan Gannon coming up big for his former mates, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, that put a good capper on a football afternoon. There are a bunch of things I want to uh, touch on with you from yesterday, including five five teams who were 2-0 and going down yesterday. So we're down to two teams left in the entire net. Three weeks in, we've only got two teams left that are 3-0. and and they could be joined by, they will be joined by one of the two teams in tonight's game. Either the Bucks or the Eagles are getting to 3-0. and So we'll have three teams after three weeks that have the chance to uh, go undefeated for the season. Yeah, they're already drinking uh, champagne down in Miami. They know that the undefeated season, uh, chances are, will not be broached again this year. But before we get to the review of uh, yesterday's games, Eagles-Bucks, uh, Johnny and I talked about it plenty last week. we got to get your uh, take on it all. Eagles are a four and a half point favorite. Opened up at six and a half, down to four and a half. 
yeah, they found out that Quez Watkins wasn't going to play and that Boston Scott's going to miss the game. Everyone knew that Devontae Maddox was going to be out for this game, if not more. And now we know it's more probably the entire season. Uh, why do you think the betting line has come down? I know the betting line is not going to make any tackles tonight or come up with any picks, but it is something we use as a point of reference. Why do you think it's come down from six and a half to four and a half? You know, I really don't understand it, Jody, because I think the Eagles are going to cover four and a half and six and a half tonight. You look at the teams, the Tampa Bay Bucks, they're winning and they're playing a very efficient style of offense. They're not turning the ball over. They're not giving up a lot of sacks, and they've caused a lot of turnovers in two games. They've caused five turnovers on that defensive side of the ball. But I can't see that formula working tonight against this Philadelphia Eagles team. You looked at what the Patriots and the Vikings did on defense, sitting back in that 3-3-5, two-high safety look, and Brian Johnson realized, hey, if you're going to do that, we're going to dominate the offensive line. We're going to run the ball. They gave the running backs 36 carries against the Vikings. So I think you're going to see a similar thing this week. Either Todd Bowles is going to blitz Hurts like crazy, like we've seen in the past, or they're going to sit back in that too high safety look. But either way, I expect this offense to be able to put up points tonight. And I just don't think Baker Mayfield, as good as he's played, is going to be able to match that offense. I see the Bucs putting up maybe 17 points tonight. I know they have a Hall of Famer and Mike Evans at the wide receiver position, but the Eagles are getting James Bradbury back. They're getting Reed Blankenship back most likely. So I don't understand why the line's coming down. I think the Eagles win tonight. I think we go to 3-0. No, I think it's going to play right around the line. It could be a, a slight cover. could be a slight loss. I'll probably stay away from the game on the line. But I have been surprised that it's dipped a little bit uh, from, from where it opened up at the beginning of the week. Um, yeah, Todd Bowles is a good defense quitter. Now he's the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he calls their defensive plays. I'm not a fan of his as a head coach, but I do acknowledge he's a damn good defensive coordinator. I think the Eagles will, because of just getting themselves right for the entire season, not because of the consternation in this town. What, what happened to Jalen Hurts? No 200-yard no passing day. How much money did we give this guy? Well, I'm not worried about Jalen Hurts because he had a couple of only okay games, winning games, let me remind you, for the first two weeks of the season. Uh, but I expect the Eagles to uh, be better passing the football tonight, number one, just because I think they're better at it than they've showed the first couple games. But number two, I think they're going to make a concerted effort uh, to uh, make sure there's a better balance to their game. They did what they had to to win last week, which was run the ball down the opposition's throats. Good job, to, uh Mr. Swift, but I think they will be looking to throw the ball and aggressively down the field as well. Will it specifically be for A.J. Brown? Um, because last week they decided we got to get Dallas got in the ball, threw it to him seven times. He caught six, seven targets. I'm thinking A.J. gets at least seven targets tonight because uh, they, they are that good in offense. Uh, not necessarily shown the first couple weeks, but the talent is there. How many times do you think they're going to throw the ball to A.J. Brown tonight? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think he gets at least seven targets. And I don't only think it's because he made some noise on the sidelines yesterday. He's one of your best playmakers on offense. So it makes sense to get the ball in his hands. You see what he does with it once he gets it. We talk about Yak all the time, that yards after catch. He's one of the best in the NFL. But I think what the Eagles need to do tonight, Jody, is last year they loved to throw the ball early 
and then run the ball late when they had the lead. I think we need to switch that mindset a little bit. I'd like to see them come out and actually run the ball early, force these safeties to creep down towards the line of scrimmage, and then start taking your shots over the top. Because if they're going to sit back like what we saw the Vikings and the Patriots do, I think you need to establish that run, make them commit to stop the run, and now take advantage of all your weapons on the outside. I like your line of logic. The only flying ointment is they're one of the better run-stopping teams in the entire National Football League. I don't think they have to gear up to do it. I think they can do it with their normal sets and with Vita Bayer, maybe the best run-stopper in the entire National Football League. Uh, I, I like the second part of your line of logic better where you go, let them try and put something up against us and we'll respond. We're that good that we can respond to whatever anybody like they were last week against the Vikings. They dared them to run and they ran it right down their throats. Uh, it's, I get it. Football's a macho game and teams and fans and players all believe they get to dictate terms on every single play. Uh, okay. You want to dismiss your opponent like that. Tampa is two and oh, I'm not sure how they are two and oh, but they are two and oh at this stage. I'll give them a little deference and go, all right, you guys show us. We'll, we'll be able to, to dissect. We trust Jalen Hurts to be able to read if he's got to switch into some things. I think you're going to see some RPOs tonight. When you say the running game, I always think of the, the running back. But maybe tonight's a Jalen running night. He hadn't done a great job running the football so far, and we could debate a little bit as to why that has been the case. Uh, but maybe this is a night against his Tampa D defense. Do you think that could work, Jalen Hurts uh, keeping it on RPOs and making plays with his legs himself. You know, I think it really depends on what the Bucks sell out on trying to stop. Because if they set up a defense that's trying to stop Jalen Hurts from pulling the ball and running, we may not see him have a lot of rushing yards. Sirianni talks about it all the time, and it seems so simple, is take what the defense is giving you. So if the defense wants to shut down that RPO, they don't want Jalen Hurts to run the football, then I think you do take what they're giving you. But a big question mark is, is and I don't know if – if John's weighed in on this yet, but Devin White, their really good linebacker, is is questionable tonight. So I'm curious to see if he's going to play. And they still have Levante David as well. He didn't practice, but I think that was just for rest. But they do have a really good linebacker crew on this Bucks defense. So that's the only reason why I think Jalen Hurts may not have a lot of rushing yards tonight is their defensive linebackers are very, very good on that team. But you did mention Vita Vea in the middle of that line. He's a stud. There's no doubt about it. And this Bucks team is great at stopping the run. But what we saw last year is it didn't matter who the defense was going up against this offensive line. The Eagles were able to run the football. And that's why I think whether it's Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, or Kenny Gainwell tonight, I think they're going to be able to run the football. The offensive line is just too damn good for anybody to be able to stop. So let me ask you about the running back position. Uh, all offseason, we'd be, oh, is it going to be? It's going to be a rotational back. Who's going to be the goal line guy? Who's going to be the high leverage guy? Who's going to be the between 20s guy? And the first two weeks, they basically had Miles Sanders getting those numbers type carries for one individual. Now it's two different individuals because it was Kenny Gainwell week one, and it was DeAndre Swift this past week. Gainwell injured after the win against the Patriots. So now both are healthy. Both come into tonight's game ready for action. How do you think they break up the carries between those two guys? I think it's got to be a more even split. As much as DeAndre Swift looked amazing last week, and you saw not only does he have the patience to get behind that offensive line, he has that home run potential that we loved with Miles Sanders. 
But the problem is, is you cannot give DeAndre Swift 28 carries a game. He's not going to last a 17-game season. In fact, I went back and looked at some of his stats while he was in Detroit. He only had more than 15 carries twice in the previous three seasons. And both times that he did, in the games right after it, he got hurt and ended up missing three or four games. So I think you really need to make sure 12 to 15 carries for Swift, maybe about 10 to 12 carries for Kenny Gainwell. I think that would be a nice, healthy mix. I just don't want to see them overuse DeAndre Swift because he's shown in the past he is not durable enough to carry 25, 30 times a game. That's a great stat that uh, he's been uh, injured after overusage games by the Lions and the Eagles. I won't say were forced to, but took advantage of how much the uh, Vikings were giving him on the run, and he did put up the big day. All right, so Eagles, Bucks tonight. They are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Bill thinks they're not only going to win, but going to cover. I think they're going to win. I'll decide on my score between now and the end of the game, and I I think it's going to be right around the number, as a matter of fact, so I don't think it's a very playable game. But if the Eagles get the win, let's say I'm right, and it's somewhere in the vicinity of 25 to 20. Where did I ever hear that score? Oh, that's the score that they won week one, yeah. So I think tonight can play very close to that. Um, That means the offense would have played well enough. The defense would have played well enough. Game hanging in the balance, uh, and thank you very much, NFL or ESPN, whoever scheduled tonight's game for seven fifteen. Appreciate that. Uh, those eight forty star. I'm up past midnight. I don't need to do that if uh, I'm a Joe Eagles fan. Uh, so thank you for getting the early game. Uh, but the game may hang in the balance into the uh, eleven o'clock hour. But if they win, and we're both right, Bill, they're three and zero. And as I noted at the top of the show, we're down to. Two teams now, and whoever wins the Bucks Eagles again, three teams who are three and zero in the league, and once again we're seeing parity in the National Football League. Will Eagle fans be okay with being three and zero if they don't have a blowout win against the Bucks tonight? I think we should be. Now, whether or not they will be is a whole other story, but I really think that they should be because we knew coming into this season. The Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. There was a reason why no teams have gone back in the NFC in 50 years or whatever it was. But I think what you're seeing is defenses have obviously adjusted to the offense that the Philadelphia Eagles were running. There's a little bit of rust there. They didn't play in the preseason. But the fact that we're sitting here 2-0 and after two weeks where the offense, the passing game wasn't great. But you look at they're averaging 29 and a half points a game. The running game was dominant last week. So I think today, if the Eagles are able to get out of here 3-0, and we have to be happy as Philadelphia fans because you saw yesterday, just like you mentioned, with only a couple teams left that are undefeated, it's hard to win in the NFL. Yeah. I know it sounds cliche, but it is hard to win in the NFL. And the fact that we haven't played maybe our best game on offense, but they're still sitting here 2-0, and I think we got to be happy regardless of how they win tonight, as long as they get the W. You say it sounds cliched. Well, there's a reason why a cliche becomes a cliche because it's oftentimes right. And I agree 100% with you getting to three. Just crunch the numbers. Got 32 teams. Three weeks in, you're going to have three left that are three and oh. If you're one of those three teams, you're doing pretty damn good. Doesn't matter how you're going about it or the way that it shakes out. Just take the three and oh and say, go birds. 
All right. Uh, one specific topic John and I kind of crunched on last week. I need your take on it as well. And we probably won't five it out till game time because Nick Sirianni likes to play the advantage game. He thinks keeping information close to the vest gives the Eagles a competitive advantage. Avante Maddox is out. They're going to have to replace him. Mario Goodrich, good young cornerback. Uh, didn't play at all for the Eagles last year. Got in last week when Avante went down. So he's got some snaps under his belt, but that's not a whole hell of a lot. Um, undrafted free agent, not a, a huge pedigree guy. And or James Bradbury, who got some reps in during preseason at the nickel corner. And some people just sloughed it off. And uh, they, the Eagles tried to say Bradbury himself. So it just gives me a different look at the field. Gives me a little bit more knowledge and base. It's something that probably isn't going to happen. I don't think they would have done it if they didn't think that it was a possibility. I think the Eagles are pretty good at being able to look at uh, plan B and plan for ba uh, basically bad potential scenarios. Oh, by the way, not hard to do with Avante Maddox since you don't ask the question if Avante Maddox is going to get hurt. It's when Avante, uh, Avante Maddox is going to get hurt. And sure enough, he has. And sure enough, it's a long-term injury this year. So the Eagles are a little screwed on that front. But I I think it's going to be more than some people think. I think Bradbury is going to go down in the slot. And if it's Mike Evans trying to run out of the slot, I think it's going to happen almost every single time Evans goes there. They're going to need more flexibility. They're going to need better conversation in the secondary between the guys are playing because you're juggling guys around. John seems to believe that taking Bradbury off the outside is just dumb. You've got a pro bowl level player. Why all pro level player? Why would you change his position? Kind of because you have to. How do you think the slot corner works out for the Eagles here game one? And then we'll have a better uh, thought process on how it's going to go forward. But without knowing tonight, how do you think they're going to handle the slot with Avante Maddox out? I agree with John. I don't think you're going to see Bradbury move inside. If he does it, I don't think it'll be very often because like John mentioned, you got a all pro corner. You don't want to have him play inside where he's never really played in his career. And I think there's ways to match up with Mario Goodrich or Josh Job, where hopefully it's my concern is if they move Evans inside. And if they put Evans on the on in the slot, maybe you have Bradbury or Slay go with him in there. But I don't think that you take an all pro corner who's played his entire career on the outside and move him into that slot corner position. I know it sounds like it's a similar position, but it's not. There's a lot different a lot of differences. When you're an outside mm. corner. You can use the boundary as your friend. You know, you know, wide receivers, they can't go outside of you because now they're out of bounds. When you're sitting in that corner, a uh, slot corner position, that nickel corner, they can go inside, they can go outside. So it's a little bit different of a feel. And Bradbury's never really done it. I'm not saying he can't do it, but we know how good he is on the outside. So I agree with John. I think you keep him out there and we see what we have with Goodrich and Josh Job at that nickel corner. I think it may actually be dictated some by how it goes early in the game. I think they're going to have Bradbury outside to start. He's coming back from an injury. You want to get him uh, just acclimated back out there onto the field. It'll be Goodrich in the slot to start. He gives up a couple plays, and he did last week when he filled in for Avante Maddox. 
and you may see a change in game. And I'd, I'd actually like to see that because it would give me a little faith in Sean Desai that he can be on top of it. He can rotate guys and get guys in and out, can make changes on the fly. That's a real good ability to have if you're a defensive coordinator, a team that can move guys around. And the Eagles like to almost brag a little bit about how they cross-train their players ahead of time. I think Bradbury will be up to the challenge. Um, I don't think it'll be slight. I think it'll be more than slight. It's not like he's going to start in the slot and play every snap there. That's not happening. We know that. Uh, but I think they're going to actually, uh, and it could be a role that grows over the weeks, depending on how it goes tonight. I think they are going to keep uh, Bradbury active going back and forth between the slot and outside. He is Bill Calarulo, my host. He's in for your uh, co-host. He's in for Johnny Mac today. J-Mac heading to Tampa. He'll be there for tonight's game. And then, of course, his travel plans are coming back on Tuesday. Uh, so uh, we won't get Johnny Matt's thoughts on the uh, game. I will text him and say I need a score from you before uh, we, we, we wrap up today's proceedings. Today's proceedings include two very good guests. Our buddy Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com usually joins us on Monday. He is going to do so coming up next. And uh, we will also hear from Rob Motti, lead football writer for the Associated Press, former Philly guy, now living down in the Tampa area. I said, we got to get Motti on if it's Bucks and Eagles, uh, the team he covered forever, the team that he covers more now. I, he's, he covers the entire National Football League, but he's, uh, look, he's uh, based out of Tampa, so he will be at Raymond James Stadium tonight as well. So a couple of good guests. Uh, we'll roll another hour and 40 minutes for you on Birds 365. Bill Calarulo in for Johnny Mac today here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Mac and Bill, Mr. Colorado, in for John McMullen today here on Birds 365 as we get ready for Monday Night Football. The Eagles in Tampa taking on the Bucks. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch of things that happen in the National Football League with National Football League writer for CBSSports.com, Mr. Jeff Kerr. You out and about yesterday or were you in front of the TV taking in all the uh, not only outcomes, but some pretty big surprises around the league yesterday, Jeff? Yeah, I was uh, I was out in front of the TV yesterday. Uh, no, no games for me this week, Jody Mack. You and me both. Yeah, so I got the whole witching hour, the NFL red zone. I, I had on the Patriots-Jets game for a bit, then I had on Falcons-Lions, and then the whole – everything kind of went crazy in that 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock hour, and I, I pretty much just parked out on red zone the rest of the day. Good job, and uh, thank you for jumping in with us today. Uh, but before we go around the league, do want to get a couple specific thoughts on Eagles and the Bucks tonight. Eagles are two and zero. There's only two three and zero teams in the whole National Football League, and while they haven't been awe-inspiring victories the first couple of games, Eagles find a way to win tonight. Anybody got anything negative to say about the way they get the three and zero, or did you just go, "Hey, three and zero is three and zero, and there's only two other teams in the league that have done it." And uh, both Eagle fans and Eagle players should be very excited about the fact that they're 3-0. Or do style points count for you tonight against the Bucs, J.K.? I was never a big style points guy. Uh, your record is what it is. And I know the Dolphins have looked very impressive. I know the 49ers have looked very impressive in getting to be 3-0. and But look at what the Cowboys did yesterday. They were very impressive their first two games. But I tried to tell people, well, Daniel Jones isn't exactly that great. And you got the Jets on the short week with Zach Wilson, so you were probably going to win that game anyway, and they should have won yesterday. And I think Cowboys proved you attack Micah Parsons, you run the ball off them, you can beat them if you get them from behind. So there's always something to expose. I, You know, the Patriots kind of exposed the Eagles a little bit, and the Vikings tried to copy with Brian Flores. So I'm curious to see what Todd Bowles does. But these teams just don't have the personnel that – the Eagles have. That's why the Eagles are 2-0. and So, uh, to me, it's your record is what it is. Yeah, you mentioned you're curious to see what Todd Bowles does tonight, and that's what I wanted to ask you. We know a couple years ago in that wild-card playoff game, Bowles blitzed Hurts over 50% of the time, and it actually caused two interceptions against the Blitz. But Hurts this year, even though the passing game hasn't been great, it's been pretty good against the Blitz. Do you think Bowles is going to blitz as much as he did two years ago? I mean, I think he's going to, Bill. I don't know if that's the right idea, though, because, as you said, Hertz has been really good against the Blitz. His numbers speak for themselves. Like, his problems are when you're dropping eight back into coverage and you're taking away the running lane. So 
Maybe Bowles tries that, but if they don't have Carlton Davis tonight, that's going to be a problem for Tampa Bay. But if Bowles wants to blitz him, I don't think Hurts is going to take off. I think that's actually going to help A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, because Bowles likes to do a lot of zero blitzing too. And I, I think that's where Hurts uh, is kind of exposing these defenses a bit. So in, in my eyes, I, I think he is going to, at least early in the game. But long-term, I don't think that's going to be the best idea. Well, you're going to have a difficult time running the ball against Tampa because Vita Vey is Vita Vey. He's just that good and uh, deters basically all of Tampa's opponents from trying to run the ball against him. Do you think they push it even more and drop even more guys? in co- When you've got a Vita Vey, doesn't that give you the ability to drop more guys in coverage and the Eagles looking at the same type of defense tonight that they did against uh, Minnesota on uh, last Thursday? Uh, yes and no. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you and uh, John have talked about VMA all week, just like I have. But I think not having Cansey, uh kind of supports those plans a bit. I think you can run on the outside on this team. But I, I think for me is – I know every Eagles fan in America seemed to want Devin White for like a month. And I tried telling people this. Devin White is a – look, he's a good linebacker. But he's not really that great in coverage, and that's today's NFL. And Levante David isn't the same Levante David in coverage anymore. So you can try to expose them there. I mean, I, personally, I still would drop eight back. I, I would just say, hey, look, you're not going to be us over the top. You're going to have to dink and dunk your way to beat us, beat us with short passes. We're still going to be aggressive up front. But I think Eagles are going to try to run the ball against them. I, I think the Eagles beat themselves when they run the football. We all know they trust Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell is – the short yardage, uh, high leverage situation guy. But I think DeAndre Swift took that mantle from him. And I really should, I really feel it should be Swift Gainwell this time around instead of Gainwell Swift. Yeah, I think that would be the way to do it too. We talked a little before you came on that Swift can't have 28 carries. It's just too many carries for him to be able to stand for a 17-game season. But you mentioned a little bit about Levante David and, and Devin White. And everyone talks about how good they are as linebackers because they are. But I went on pro football focus, and not that that's the end-all, be-all, but they have those guys both rated as two of the lowest-graded linebackers in the league through two weeks. Are you seeing that as well, that they're not playing as well as they have in years past? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the pro football focus thing. I'm like you, Bill. I I don't consider it the Bible, but, I mean, if you're watching some tape on them, they haven't looked great. I mean, the, the stats are probably gaudy because everybody's attacking them. But at the end of the day, it's they're just not the same types of play. Like the White's still a, a young player. Like he still can get to the football. But David's not—he's he's a future Hall of Famer. But he's not the Levante David we've come to know from 2016, 2017. I I noticed that watching Bobby Wagner yesterday. I'm like, whoa, Bobby Wagner's not Bobby Wagner anymore. He's still a starting linebacker in this league, but they're replaceable. Um, I. I don't know. It, it's to me. I I don't want to go by the whole pro football focus grade, but I feel like that's a weakness in the defense you can expose because testing that secondary is something I probably wouldn't want to do every day. Like them being able to keep Jamel Dean this all season was probably one of the biggest moves for them. Uh, Antoine Winfield's a really good player. He's a ball hawk. I, I I just I if you're going to expose Tampa Bay, I I, I feel like AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard middle of the field. Uh, this is why I, I'm kind of upset Wes Watkins isn't playing tonight. So maybe tonight could be a Ovalaya Sakias game. Now, yeah, hopefully uh, we get Alameda uh, actually 
giving them something because he hasn't given them much in the first two weeks. But I, I do have to hit pause here on the talk about the Bucks linebackers. If PFF doesn't have them rated highly, so be it. They've both been in the league for years. One of them you called a potential Hall of Famer down the road and made pro balls and the like. Tonight's starting at linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles is Ian Cunningham, who was unemployed in August, sitting on the street waiting for just some team to pick him up. And uh, Mr. Morrow, who was on the street a month ago when the Eagles cut him and no one picked him up. And he had to wait and wait and wait. All right, nobody's going to give me a job. I guess I got to go back to the Eagles practice squad. So he does. He gets elevated. Now he's got the green dot. We really don't want to compare the starting linebackers of the Bucks to the starting linebackers of the Eagles, do we? I'm just saying I wouldn't. I, I, I'm going to put this as nice as I can. I think Devin White and Nicholas Morrow, coverage-wise, Nicholas Morrow is probably better. And you need coverage linebackers in this league. I mean, Devin White is a better player than Nicholas Morrow. The Bucks linebackers are better than the Eagles linebackers. Do not get me wrong. If you're if you're going across the board, yeah, but the Eagles want coverage linebackers. Levante David, he's not the same guy in coverage anymore. I'd take him in a heartbeat. I would take I'd still take Levante David on my football team. But Nicholas Morrow in coverage, Zach Cunningham in coverage last week was better than those two. If, I'm not if saying Nicholas, if Nicholas Morris had good in coverage, why the Eagles cut him? I don't know why the Eagles do a lot of things they do, Jody. I don't know why they don't care about off ball linebackers. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, you know, that I think teams had interest in Nicholas Morris. You know what? He, you know why the only reason he's back is because he knew the system. He's been there all offseason. It's look, I, I got a challenge on that one. I got a challenge. Teams had interest in Nicholas Morrow. He got cut. Anyone could have signed him. The Eagles signed him with no guaranteed money. So because it wasn't they had like their a established personnel. Thing. Nobody signed him. No one. Zero. He had to come groveling back to the Eagles practice squad. So how badly did the league really want or need a guy like Nicholas Morrow? Well, no one was injured in week one. The Eagles picked him up right away. That, that... Look, yeah. I, I'm just saying, it, it, to me... Look, I would take Levante David and Devin White 10 times out of 10 compared to what the Eagles got as overall players. But I'm just telling you, as coverage players, coverage, okay. they're, they're, they're just not the same guys. Yeah, we'll see how long Nicholas Morrow can play like that. But I agree with you, Jeff. If you look at the tape from last week, he played really well against the pass, as did Zach Cunningham. Something that Christian Ellis wasn't able to do, and I think that's why you didn't see Ellis get that many reps. But the one area in these two games that the Eagles have a real difficult time defending has been the tight end. Now, fortunately, this week, they're not going up against TJ Hawkinson or even Hunter Henry and Mike Gazicki. But this young tight end that the Bucs have, Cade Otten, in his second year, looks like he has some potential. What are you seeing with Cade? I, I really do like Cade Otten. Now, I actually think Cade Otten's a good run blocker, too. He he's kind of has that Dallas Goddard-like uh, tendency. I'm not saying he's going to beat Dallas Goddard, but... You can see in the middle of the field, the kid's getting open. But Baker Mayfield has been really careful with the football and really smart with it, too, because he's going to the two guys he knows that can get it, Mike Evans and Chris Goff. But Kate Otten has been a pretty good security blanket for him early in the season, even though he's not thrown it to him as much. Um, 
Baker Mayfield's passer rating is like 130 when he goes to Evans and Godwin, and it's like 60 when he goes to, to, to anybody else. So, and he hasn't thrown a pick yet. He hasn't turned the football over, but I think that's the game plan tonight, Bill, as, as you mentioned. And maybe K. Dotton could get him out of that, but this team really misses Russell Gage. Um, you know, he's lost for the season. They knew they weren't going to have him, but through two games, it's okay. The Vikings can't cover. Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. We're going to them. The Bears certainly can't cover Mike Evans and Chris Goblin, so we're going to them. So I think that's going to be the test tonight, especially with the Eagles uh, having Mario Goodrich or James Bradbury, whoever they're going to put in the slot. It's I think they're going to put Chris Goblin in the slot and say, here, go beat him. We like to look at everything through Eagle color glasses as well. We should, uh, specifically when it comes to the offense. But on the other side of the ball, the Tampa offense trying to run it against the Eagles defense. Uh, you said you thought that uh, the Eagles linebackers have done okay in coverage. I actually think they've done okay at stopping the run, but they've come up to play the run better than they played the pass better. Yeah, those were a couple of catches by Hawkinson last week against linebackers in coverage. So uh, do you think Tampa comes in with the mindset? We were debating earlier on what the Eagle mindset could be. Bill said they should start with the run to set up the pass and that would work the best. How do you think Tampa's going to game plan it tonight against the Eagles uh, balancing run versus pass? And what do you think they're going to try and establish first, Jeff? So you talk about what Tampa's going to do first? or you, Yeah, or what, what Tampa's going to do against okay. the Eagles. Okay, so I think Tampa might try to run the football. I, I think you have to, just to be honest. I mean, Baker Mayfield throwing the football 40, 45 times is a recipe for disaster. Really, it is for, for most quarterbacks in this league, unless you're Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, et cetera. But what I think they need to do is get Rashad White involved, get him involved early. I, I know the Eagles the Eagles front has just been a terror through the first two weeks of the season. And Tampa's offensive line's been okay. They haven't been great. They haven't been terrible. They've been much better than expected, but this is a whole different beast. So if the Eagles can get to the backfield early, they might force Tampa to be one-dimensional, but you still got to try to get Rashad White involved in this game. And I know um, Chase Edmonds is out. Uh, he's going to be out for a bit. So I'm curious to see what Tampa does there with the backup running back position. But I think you got to go at least early to try to set up that deep bomb. But if you're getting – if you're not even getting two yards, it's they might abandon it early. I, I just watched Dave uh, Knauss over the years, um, their offense coordinator, and he did this a lot with Geno Smith last year. If Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny wasn't starting out well, it was, okay, well, I trust Geno Smith enough to throw the football. So I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I went back and watched some of that Bucks game, and they run a lot of play action. I think they ran play action over 35% of their passing plays. If they can't establish the run, they're going to have a real difficult time running that play action. But when you look at Chase Edmonds, he's one of their best pass blockers from that running back position. And you look at the interior of their offensive line, Robert Hainsey, not very good in pass blocking. I mean, how do you think they're going to match up against this beast of an interior that the Philadelphia Eagles have with Carter, Williams, Davis, and Cox? See, that's the problem. I think that's the ultimate mismatch of, of the football game is the Bucs run offense versus the Eagles up front. I, I mean, really, if they're going to tee off tonight. I feel like it's going to be a primetime Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter special. And, you know, we can't ignore Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams in that because they've been just as good as well. 
on the outside, Tristan Wirfs is a problem, but Tristan Wirfs isn't playing right tackle anymore. He's playing left tackle. He's played well at left tackle, but you get past Tristan Wirfs and you're seeing a lot of um, – what's the nice word I'm, I'm looking for? You're seeing a lot of leaks in the faucet there. So, yeah, I think it could be a rough night for Tampa Bay. It's a, They're going to have to roll Baker Mayfield out. They're going to have to buy him some time, and he's been – good outside the pocket so maybe that's what they want to do but I think it's got to be one of those nights where Baker Mayfield gets rid of the ball quick the problem is he's not really known to do that like Kirk Cousins he can get rid of the ball quick Uh, Mac Jones can get rid of the ball quick but that's not really Baker Mayfield's game so it's I I, I think that's where the Eagles can um, get this early lead I think they need to get to, to be a football team like I'm not a Rashad White fan. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run it effectively against this Eagle defense, I'll be more than surprised. I'll be flat out shocked if that's the case. I think if Tampa's going to stay in this game, yeah, Baker's going to have to make plays, either with his arm, more likely with his arm, but maybe also with his feet. He's actually running pretty well. I haven't watched highlights of their first two games. Baker's shown a little nerve pulling it down and uh, running with the football. So we'll see how that shakes out tonight. All right. If it's a uh, late game situation, close game, Jeff Kerr, and the Eagle field goal kicker misses a kick. And we know Jake Elliott is like money in the bank. We just have faith in Jake, no matter where it is on the field. Will there be second guessing of the Eagles uh, organization, which includes how he and the coaching staff, that they cut his favorite holder? Johnny Mack and I have harped on this the last week or so that Sippus may stink as a punter, but Jake seems to love him. Uh, if you get a different holder out there, sometimes things can go awry. Are the Eagles rolling the dice by pulling the plug on Sippus? Not as their punter, but their holder. Uh, yeah, I, I think they kind of are, but it's not like Braden Mann has not worked with Jake Elliott before. They Braden Mann actually attended uh, – couple workouts with Elliot this offseason and was holding for him. So it's not like this is unfamiliar territory for Jake Elliott, but it's clear as day he trusted Aaron Sippus. I remember me, John, Ed Kratz, Martin Frank, a bunch of us were just talking training camp, and we were debating, like, where they should cut Sippus or not then. And, you know, Ed was the first one to point out, well, you got to remember, Jake Elliott trusts you know, Aaron Sippus as his holder. So, you know, that brought something different to the equation. But – I think it was clear as day the Eagles had a three-week tryout who their punter was going to be. And I think it was more Aaron Sippus, show us why you deserve to keep the job. And he clearly didn't. He was worse than he was last year. Uh, I actually thought he got better as a punter last year until the postseason. And then everything just kind of went haywire with the Super Bowl. But overall with Aaron Sippus, it's they just felt it, it was time for a change. Let's give Brady Man a shot. There are other punters available on the market. So it's right now it's man's job to lose. And, but, yeah, in terms of the holding situation, he has held for Jake Elliott before, not in an actual game. But I, I just think they want to improve the net the net punt yardage. And if they can do that, then I, I think it's a win-win. It's st- staying with the special teams because the problem hasn't only been the punter. I think their their punt coverage has been terrible. Their kickoff coverage has been terrible. They had to blow two timeouts in week one because they didn't have the right personnel on the field. Were you as surprised as me that they brought back Michael Clay as the special teams coordinator this year? Uh, they like him. Um, that, that's all I got to say about it. Uh, you know, they, they like him. They, they think he's a young rising coach. It's, I think after this year, we're going to have uh, a serious heart-to-heart talk with Michael Clay. But 
I, I wasn't that surprised uh, just because the special teams did get better from, I think it was week seven on last year. Uh, the development of Britton Covey was clear for them. I, I know Eagles fans don't want to hear that, but the guy was top six in the league in butt return yards last year. And he's top 10 this year. So I, I think the development of him, the discovering of Christian Ellis on special teams, they like Nolan Smith on special teams. They like Cindy Brown on special teams. There, there were guys that, they feel are filling the void there that Michael Clay is developing and finding. That's why I think Michael Clay stays here. I, I know not everything's about kicker, punter, holder, et cetera, but it's the little, the ends that I, I was at, Michael Clay was a lot better in 2022 than he was in 2021. I thought he was going to be one and done, but it's clear as day. The Eagles like Michael Clay. They're going to get Michael Clay every opportunity to grow and develop as a coach. Uh, right now, uh, I'm just not shocked at anything this team does regarding special teams. So I, I, I think Michael Clay was ultimately the one who kind of made the decision and said, hey, you know what, I, I think we got to move on from Aaron Sippus here. It's really hurting our coverage and our return teams. All right, Jeff Kerr. Week one, the Eagles targeted A.J. Brown 10 times. He and Devontae 10 apiece. Last week, A.J. only six because they felt the need to get the ball to Dallas got it after he had no catches in week number one. Um, so this week, to me, kind of like stands out like a sore thumb. Oh, they're going to throw A.J. the ball. They're going to throw A.J. the ball a lot. They're going to borderline have to force the ball to A.J. Brown. Now, that's not a bad thing because A.J. Brown's one of the most talented receivers in the National Football League. How much is that part of the game plan? We need to not only appease, but get A.J. Brown going. I thought they tried to force feed him last week. I know A.J. Brown tried to shut down that narrative, but the proof's on the tape. They went to him for a touchdown that should have been a touchdown. I I still don't agree with the hold on Rashad Penny. Then they went to him again. They, they went to him three out of the next four pass plays. So clearly something had to do with A.J. Brown and his target share last week or just him not having a good day catching the football. Whatever it was, it was a deal that week. I don't think it's going to be a big deal long term, but I think tonight's the night you do force feed A.J. Brown. I, I think he has a good matchup against Jamel Dean or Carlton Davis. I think it's going to be one of those, you go over the top to him, he's going to make a play just because of the size advantage, uh, just because he can get physical with both of them. And Davis don't play, you really do go to to A.J. Brown. And Devonta Smith will probably be another recipient of that as well, just because you're not going to have both cornerbacks there. But, yeah, I I think tonight is the night where you target A.J. Brown. He'll be happy. You'll be happy because you're going to be putting points on the board. But – I still don't think I still say this whole thing's a nothing burger. I wrote about that for CBS uh, after the game on on Thursday night. Uh, the only issue I have was how the Eagles handled it because they tried to deny it, and then it's like, well, Nick, you were right there, and then well, what goes on here stays on here, and AJ Brown not showing up as locker. All he had to do was say what he said last week that night. I, I mean, you had plenty of time to calm down after that, but he was gone. But besides that, I still don't think it's anything. Yeah, these guys have such a good relationship. I didn't like it either that they then started to force feed A.J. Brown, especially when the running game was working so well. But it doesn't make me nervous about Hertz and Brown's relationship. You know, these guys are actually good friends. You know, sometimes that quarterback wide receiver relationship gets overblown, but these guys are really, really good friends. But looking at this Bucks offense, one of the things that's been crazy through two games 
They've committed zero turnovers, and they've only given up one sack. What do you think changes tonight? Do the Eagles get turnover? Do they get sacks, or do they get both? Well, it's funny because the Eagles have seven takeaways through the first two games of the year, and they're not getting home as much. I I actually think they're going to get more sacks than what they've had through the first two weeks. It's You got guys like the first week Jalen Carr took over the game, even though he only had one sack. Josh Sweat took over last game. He had five quarterback hits. But what did he end up with, Bill? Do you remember off the top of your head? Was it a sack? Was it two sacks? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what. Josh I think Sweat had a sack. Yeah. So you're not seeing the big gaudy sack numbers yet that you did last year. And it's very hard to repeat that. But I think tonight's going to be the night. And kind of like last year. Remember when they played Washington week three? All of a sudden they got nine sacks. I think tonight's going to be the night where they have like five, six sacks. And you're going to have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about, oh, there's the Eagles defensive line. And that's the defensive line we've been talking about. So I don't know if Tampa's going to turn the football over frequently like Minnesota did, like New England did. But I think it's going to be one of those nights where they're going to have a lot of third and longs because you know, they're just finally going to get home. It's When you're getting that much pressure on the team, you're going to put up the sack numbers at some point. All right, J.K., need your take on this, Bill, and I started the show with this because it's been a point of contention between me and John leading up to the week. Percentage of snaps James Bradbury will play in the slot tonight against Tampa Bay. It'll be zero. Will it be 75? If they're moving him in there, it's going to be Formosa. If they're not going to move him in there, they're going to leave him. It's probably going to be a combination of pick and choose, matchup spots and the like. How often do you think Bradbury ends up in the slot tonight? I think we're going to see a lot of Chris Godwin in the slot. So I'll say over 50%. I, I, wow. don't think, I don't think they want to put Mario Goodrich in that situation all the time. And if they put Godwin in the slot, I think you're going to see Bradbury move in there. And I think you're going to see some Josh Job on the outside. Now, Goodrich is still going to play a lot. They trust him. But there's a big difference between Chris Godwin and um, uh, what's the rookie they got on? Uh, Trey Palmer. I think there's a big difference there. 50. That's a big number. Uh, yeah, John, Johnny Mac tell you'd be much less than that. I, I'm I'm saying more than John thinks, but I don't know if it'll get to 50. That's a good number. Uh, very interesting if it plays out that way. I like your nerviness, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. And if you think Bradbury goes to the slot with Godwin, are you thinking Slay's following Evans around on that defense? I, I think, yeah, Darius Lee's going to have to travel tonight. There, there's no way you can just let a Josh Schobel like it. I'm sure that's what they want to do, but they have had Slade travel. It's not like Slay's like Trayvon Diggs or Stephon Gilmore. They have to play one side of the field. You know, they, they're they're moving around. I think that's what I think that's going to be the big difference with Sean Desai this year. You're just going to see him do a lot of things matchup-based. And the Eagles know their pass defense has not been good through the first two weeks now. Granted, a lot of this was after it was 27-7 against Minnesota, and they had to throw the ball, same with New England, because they they build early leads. But I think you're going to see a little bit different strategy tonight. They've had 11 days. It's That's why I think Bradbury's going to play a slot as much as he I just don't think they're going to let Chris Godwin catch 11 passes for 150 yards off him and keep him in the game. It's James Bradbury's a better matchup against Chris Godwin than, no disrespect, Mario Goodrich. It's you know, Goodrich got picked on a lot last week for him coming in. And if we all know this is copycat league, if Kirk Cousins can do that, Baker Mayfield can do it. All right, JK, uh, take a couple minutes, jump around the league a little bit with you. As famously once said by Jimmy Johnson, how about them Cowboys? Uh, what the hell happened yesterday down in Arizona? 
2-0, and dominant in both games. Cardinals, all right, they hung tough, but they coughed up a mega lead at halftime against the Giants last weekend. It's the Giants. It's not exactly the Dolphins coming down the field against you. Daniel Jones led comeback. So uh, this game looked like a massive mismatch on paper. And the Cardinals not only win, but they win with style points, including Dak's first pick of the year. Uh, how How did this come about? Uh, the Cowboys playing down to our competition, and Michael Parsons admitted that we can't play down to our competition. So, yeah, that's one thing I don't like about this football team. They beat teams that are down, or they have a lot of time to prepare for it. But when everything's on their high horse up there, and they think they're going to the Super Bowl after two weeks, is when you kind of expect a letdown game, and they definitely had that early. And you can't have letdown games. When the San Francisco 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles are in your conference, you know, you, you keep talking about you're better than this team, you're better than that team. They, they buy into the media hype uh, down there. And I, I think they got caught up in it. And the Cardinals, is, we can say they're bad all we want. They're an NFL football team. Uh, you know, Joshua Dobbs has been in that system now a month. And I, I think they showed, they showed teams that, look, you have a mobile quarterback, you can run the ball off this team because – they just over pursue, and the loss of Trayvon Diggs is significant for them. I, however, you think of Trayvon Diggs as a player in coverage or not, he's a really good football player. He's an all pro for a reason. And the purpose of that team was to have Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore. Well, now you just have Stephon Gilmore, and all of a sudden your cornerback situation isn't as good. Now, now you got 32, 33 year old at cornerback, and you're kind of weak there, even though the, you you still have a good secondary. It's this this is going to be up to Dan Quinn, but to me, their biggest issue was Dak Prescott. When he plays her behind, all of a sudden you can't be dink and dunk Dak anymore. You got to force the football, and he forced the football. And there were a couple throws that should have been picked yesterday. It's I still don't think this team can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. I I, I think overall they're good enough to, but I, this quarterback just keeps showing me time in and time out. If he was not the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, we would have a much different conversation about him. Yeah, Jonathan Gannon's got the Cardinals playing hard, though, too. You got to give him some credit. And we saw two former Eagles make some big plays yesterday. Kazir White and Kavon Wallace from that safety position make a couple big plays. But uh, let, let's jump over to these poor New York Jets fans, man. I mean, these uh, poor New York Jets you, fans. You, you had to go there, huh, Bill? Oh, but let me ask you, with all of the money that these teams have tied up in their scouting department and all these guys who are evaluating these quarterbacks – how the hell do you get it so wrong with Zach Wilson? I mean, this guy looks like he shouldn't even be a backup quarterback in the league, let alone a starter, and they gave up a lot of draft capital to get him. He's worse than Jamarcus Russell, if you think about it. He, he's worse than Jamarcus Russell. Uh, if you look at the numbers, Russell didn't get this much time to, to figure it out. Why is Robert Sala just keep going to Zach Wilson? I, I know the other options aren't good. I mean, you're kind of stuck with the guy, but – He's bad. He is beyond level bad. Like, Bill Belichick made a fool out of him yesterday. In the pouring rain, Zach Wilson sacking himself. Zach Wilson's throwing, throwing up. Now he's got Garrett Wilson mad at him. And let's call out the elephant in the room, too. And Jody knows who I'm talking about here. Nathaniel Hackett. It's This is embarrassing. This guy should not be an NFL offense coordinator anymore. He, he just, really? He only works with one guy, only works well with one guy, and that guy's when he was supposed to work well with the one guy. He didn't go out and pull Aaron uh, Rodgers' Achilles. 
He didn't he, kick him in the shins. That wasn't on Nate. That, you can't blame Nathaniel Hackett for that. Uh, well, I can when it's not working for anybody else. He couldn't make it work with Russell Wilson. He can't make it work with Zach Wilson. And maybe it's a Wilson thing. I don't know. But it's th- this whole – that team was built for Aaron Rodgers. Yes. When they lost Aaron Rodgers, they were done. That, that was on Randall Cobb looks old and slow. And Nicole Harvick can't see the field. And just – I, between Zach Wilson and the Daniel Hackett, th- this team is done. I, I feel so bad for Robert Sala right now. Zach Zach Wilson sucked before Nathaniel Hackett showed up. He's now sucking again with Nathaniel Hackett. Do you think it's Nathaniel Hackett or you think it's Zach Wilson? I think it's both. Can we can we play both? Like they're both really bad at their jobs. And I, I do think it's funny how Sean Payton called Nathaniel Hackett. One of the worst head coaching jobs in the yeah. history of the NFL. And, and he's giving up yes, 70. Yeah. And he's giving up 70 to Miami. Like, Miami have backups. Mike White is a better option than Zach Wilson. No, right Mike White should be the option for the Jets. Yeah, thank they you. should have just resigned him. They should have traded the day they signed Aaron Rodgers. They should have traded Zach Wilson. The 49ers did it right. You make a mistake. You own it. You clear it up as best you can, even if it looks bad as the guys going out the door. They traded their third overall pick for a number four, a fourth round pick two years later. Yeah, that's a bad look. So what? You make your football team better. You sign Aaron Rodgers. You trade Zach Wilson. It looks bad. So what? You make your team better. If you're in the moment to win, and if you're signing Aaron Rodgers, you're in the moment to win. You do everything around him that needs to be done, including getting Zach Wilson hell off the team. Yeah. So Chad Henney is an offense coordinator for a local high school football team. Uh, his alma mater. And he's a better option than Zach Wilson right now. He hasn't played football in seven months. I need Mike White back from Miami. Speaking of Miami, only a 70 spot yesterday. What do they do for an encore now, Jeff? If they go out and score 38 this week, are Duff fans going to go, well, wait a minute. We got 70 last week. Why you only scored 38 this week? It set the bar pretty damn high. How impressive have the Dolphins been through three weeks? Oh, man, it. I love this Miami offense. I mean, we got to remember, they didn't have Jalen Waddle yesterday, and they put up 70 points. So, I, I've been saying this all year. As long as Tua is healthy, that team is going to be a problem. Uh, they were a problem last year when he was healthy. When he started the, the concussion issues, which I believe was week four on Thursday night, that's when things kind of slowed down for them. But this is an offense. You can compare them to the greatest show on turf. They, they just have weapons. Across the board, their offensive line has been playing really well. They've been protecting him, but and Tua can throw a deep ball, and Tua can make those throws uh, ten air yards or more. It's it's fun to watch him grow. It's fun to watch how Mike McDaniel kind of uses that zone run offense, that, that that zone read, and just it doesn't matter. Devin, um, I can never pronounce his last name. Devon, sorry, the Devon. Uh, it, it chan- I always forget how to say it. The chan, yeah, yeah, but. If you read Peter King this morning, he called him A-Chain and he said, I uh, got him on the phone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
Tony goes, no, it's a Chan. Yeah, Everybody's been calling him A-Chain, and it's not according to the player. And, yeah, I usually listen to the player when he says, here's how I pronounce my name. Yeah, that, that's what I, I do, too. I haven't gotten to interview him yet, obviously. But I remember coming into the draft, I'm like, well, this, this kid can fly. I'm like, he would actually be a good fit in a Dolphins uniform. And Really? Like, yeah. Lo, lo, lo and behold, you know, he only had – I think he only had, like, four carries – the first two weeks and it was like 10 yards all of a sudden he runs for 208 and no one on the Broncos there was a play I think they did a skill shot of like there were eight Broncos on the ground after he was done with them and when he took off for that one uh long touchdown run but that kick and ball uh they're deep at running back and they don't need Jeff Wilson when he comes back here I think they should tell him to hit the showers they won't do that but everyone's worried about the Dolphins at running back I'm like Raheem Mostert's still good like, if they play a chance, it's going to be the same thing. So, I love this team. I think they're one of the best teams in the AFC. I know we're only three weeks in, but if Tua can be on that field, if he stays on there, they're going to be a problem. And I remember, I think it was the 1951 Rams. I remember reading a book on them. They scored, I think it was 130 in, like, a two-game span or something like that. And, they had like 60 the one game and 50 the next game. And a lot of the, I, I think Crazy Likes Hurts said, the first question was, what, you guys going to get 50 this week? And they, they actually had 50 through like the first, I think it was like 35, 37 minutes of the game. And then they kind of, they called off uh, Norvan Brocklin, they called him off the field and they hadn't scored the rest of the game. So if they're getting that in 1951, they're, they're going to get that in 2023. Yeah, Dolphins uh, could have opted for a field goal late in the game to give him yeah. 73, and uh, good on McDaniel. He said, yeah, I think we scored enough. We don't really uh, – I had no problems if he rubbed salt in Sean Payton's wounds because Payton rubbed salt in Nathaniel Hackett's wounds. But, uh, yeah, 70 was enough for the Dolphins yesterday. All right, one last question on the Eagles and the uh, Bucks tonight, J.K. Is this a rivalry? We know the Eagles-Cowboys are right. We know the Eagles-Giants are a rivalry. Are the Eagles and a Bucks? Uh, uh, would you say that raises to rivalry status? There, I've talked to enough people in Tampa Bay about this. It's a rivalry on their end. I don't know what the Eagles and their fans consider it a rivalry, but Tampa Bay's greatest play in franchise history, and this has been voted on by the Buccaneers or franchise, was Rondé Barber picking off Donovan McNabb. And I've heard this from guys on Peter Report, Joe Bucks fan, Kaufman. There's been a lot of guys say, hey, the Eagles were a big pain in the ass to the Bucks for a lot of years. And they have a lot of bad memories. Hugh Douglas beating George Hageman, Troy Vincent's interception in the playoffs, Deuce Staley's big run against them in 2002. The Bucks could not beat the Eagles to save their lives. I mean, they couldn't beat them when the backups played each other. And then all of a sudden, they shocked pretty much the entire NFL when they beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And really, the Bucs, I, I can tell you this, their media loves when the Eagles come to town because they, they thoroughly enjoy Matt Bryant's 62-yard field goal, Rondé Barber's interception. I mean, Rondé Barber's getting honored tonight. Think about that for a second. Um, you know, them blowing out the Eagles in the Walker game a couple years ago. And I don't think it's like a hatred of the Eagles year. It's that was the team that was in our way, and we finally got them. I think that's that's what it is. It's not like an Eagles Cowboys thing. I don't think Philadelphia necessarily cares about I mean, they even said the Eagles fans are gonna take over their stadium tonight. That's just the way it is. But 
it's it's weird because it's not a hatred of the fans, it's not a hatred of the city, anything like that. It's just the Eagles were the team that was in their way, and Rondé Barber and Joe Jerovicius put the exclamation point on that, and they got in their first Super Bowl championship. And that O O two Bucks team is forever immortalized down there. I'm you glad who, you brought uh, that. The guy felt good. Did you see who they're honoring before the game tonight, Jeff? Rondé Barber is getting honored there. So yeah. and at halftime. If a lot of Eagles fans are there, you may hear some boos in that stadium tonight. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there'll be boos. Look, I, I've always said this. Uh, Rondé Barber's Hall of Fame induction was long overdue. Uh, in my opinion, he was the first ballot Hall of Famer. He, he was that good. He was that much better than Tiki. I'll say that. I, I don't know what took him so long. I think it's a secondary thing. It's the same way with Dawkins. I, I know Dawkins got in on his third year, but I'm like, really, you, you got to wait three years to get these guys in. Like, you know, he was just as good as – uh, Malo and Reed back in the day. And that's how I felt about Rondé Barber. He's dominant cornerback, dominant safety, part of the one of the more dominant defenses in, in the NFL during his time. Uh, he was a perfect Tampa 2 type player. It's I, I've said this to a lot of guys on that 0-2 Tampa defense. It's they, they all should have been in right away. The only thing that I'll say about Rondé Barber, I think he's a, a real good guy and a really good player. He wasn't as good as Eric Allen. Eric Allen's still on the outside looking in. Well, I, Eric Allen should be in too. I, I know. I, I do I, not understand how Rondé Barber's in and Eric Allen isn't in the Hall of Fame. But again, we can spend forty minutes talking about that. Uh, last thing you mentioned in one name, Joe Jaravicious. Shame on me. I'm having a senior moment. That to me is the play I remember more. The play that hurts more, even more so than the Barber interception. Who was the DB who took the bad angle on that play? Well, I remember Barry Gardner was the one trailing. Uh, I think it was Blaine Bishop that took Blaine the Blaine Bishop. I think it was Blaine That's Bishop. That's exactly took... who it was. He took a terrible angle. Yeah. Just a god-awful angle on him on the play. Barry Gardner's going to cover Joe Jarvis. I never held that against Barry Gardner. Linebacker outside playing a pretty good running wide receiver. No, that was on the DB. That was on Blaine Bishop. And you know what's funny? I could talk to Blaine Bishop today in Nashville. He hosts an afternoon radio show in Nashville. Does he? he? He would tell you firsthand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that that was on me. Like, he loved his time in Philadelphia, but he said after he got that, uh, I think it was a foot injury or an ankle injury, he just wasn't the same player. And he was like McNabb. I, I think he came back too soon. I, I still will defend Donovan McNabb in that game just because he was still coming off and – I've heard this from multiple people. He was still not a hundred percent from that broken leg. So it's a rivalry. Thank you for confirming that for us, Jeff Kerr. Uh, <laughs> it'll be another chapter tonight, Bucks and Eagles. JK, a pleasure. We'll talk to you again next week, brother. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff Kerr. CBSSports.com. Check him out online. Uh, does great stuff covering all the NFL leading up to the weekend's games and then afterwards with an Alice thereafter. And he's good with us. Here on Birds 365 on a Monday. Bill Calarulo in for John McMullen. So you got Bill and Mac here with John Birds 365. Quick dime out. Come back, talk a little bit more about the game. And Rob Motti from the Associated Press to join us in about 50 minutes from now. So stay right there.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Calarulo from uh, the podcast. I got to get it right because I love it. Legal Hands in the Face. Uh, one of the best podcast names I've ever heard. Love that. Uh, I guess he's filling in for uh, Johnny Mac today. Here on Birds 365, Rob Marty to join us coming up in just about 10 minutes from now. And I will be running this question by Rob because I'm pretty sure I asked it to Jeff last week. So I didn't want to ask it again because I didn't want to be repetitious. Um were you watching the end of the Colts and the Ravens yesterday? You just happened to have it on when it was ending, Bill. Uh, yeah, I was yeah, watching you know. the I was watching the Red Zone, so they were showing a lot of it. right. Did, so yeah, that I'm I'm pretty sure you saw the play uh, in overtime. Colt, uh, Ravens driving, Ravens go for it on a fourth down. Um, Lamar Jackson throws a pass over the middle. In my opinion, again, this is my own commentary. Blatant defensive pass interference. Uh, the D back, or I think it was a linebacker actually, hooked the receiver from behind, got his arm up and over, tipped the ball away, but did so well before the ball got there and no flag whatsoever. 
and it was in Baltimore. If you believe that refereeing is affected by what town they're in and the crowd's uh, response thereafter, that surely wasn't a factor yesterday because they didn't throw the flag in Baltimore, which surprised me. Uh, and then Colts got the ball, go downfield, get the game-winning field goal, and uh, Shane Steichen gets his second win of the year. Good on Shane. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. And my usual partner, Johnny Mack, dismisses me and says, no, it's just that the refs aren't that good, Jody. I think there was a uh, decision made this offseason and certainly clued in the referees as to how the NFL wants the game called. One of those directives that they put out before the season starts. Usually they announce them. They say this is a point of emphasis and we're going to look to call it. And they call it in the preseason for a couple of weeks just to plant the seed in the player's head. And then they go back to calling the game in the way they usually call the game once the season starts. I think this is different. I think they said, we're, we're not going to announce this. We're not going to leak this. We just want you refs to call a game this way going forward. And I think they're letting DBs play this year. I think there's more physicality on the outside. They're letting them get there. That split second before the ball gets there. With the instant replay, you can see when a guy makes contact before the ball gets there. With the slow motion, you can absolutely tell. And they're slowing it down. They're going, well, that's a penalty. You got to call it because he got there before the ball got there. I think they instructed the referees this year to give the guys that call. And a couple of the referees in-game, the announcers that they have, the third guy and the fourth guy in the booth, some booths uh, that uh, is paid to just come in and analyze the calls that they do or don't get right and whether they should or shouldn't overturn something. Uh, they've taken the back of the referees on it. That's how bad it was yesterday. The guy who was on TV, the ex-referee, couldn't even defend. He goes, yeah, that's a pass interference penalty. I don't know how they didn't throw the flag there. But when I've seen it, the, the referees who are broadcasting usually take the backs of the referees. I think this is something that is going on in the NFL that was unannounced and nobody's talking about. And I think I seem to be the only one who is bringing this up. And I got a couple of people that are agreeing with me, Joe. Yeah, that's the way I see it, Joe. You watch a lot of football, Bill. Have you seen this? Do you think there is anything to the fact that the NFL has made a decision to let the defensive backs play a little bit. You may be right on that, Jody. I mean, number one, definitely pass interference in that Colts game. Yes, no doubt yep. about it. I agree with you. Harbaugh was furious. So was was it a blown call or was it the Jody Mack conspiracy theory of, hey, they're letting them play outside? A little physicality. Of Shockingly, physicality of football. Who knew it was coming? On that particular play, I think it was just a blown call because if you're going to let guys play, I'm all for that on the outside when they're battling down the field. That was a blatant, he completely hooked him, turned his body. That changes the play entirely. But I do agree with you. I think on the outside, they're letting these corners play a little bit more. And if you look around the NFL, passing yards are down for everybody, yep. unless you're the Miami Dolphins. But passing <laughs> yards are down, are down for everybody. And I think it's because they are letting these corners play a little bit. And last year, it did seem to be a little bit out of control. Anytime a ball was thrown deep, the receivers are looking for a flag and they usually would get it. I would like to actually go. I haven't done the research, but now that you've said it, I want to do it, is to see where we are in terms of pass interference calls this three weeks into the season compared to last year and see if they are actually down. But oh, it would I not can, surprise I, I haven't looked it up either, but I guarantee you they're down. I guarantee when you do the word search, you're going to uh, find out that they're down. And uh, let me get your take on this because uh, John Stance has been 
Um, no, the NFL never does anything to marginalize offense. They want the offense. They've changed the rules to produce more offense. They want Miami Dolphins scoring 70 points. Yeah, everybody does. Um, but who it was the last guy who you said, uh, you know, I do talk shows elsewhere and like, and you get responses on your podcast said, hey, great play by the Eagles drawing that pass interference. It, n- nobody goes, yeah, pass interference. Way to go, guys. It's not exciting. I think the NFL is much more motivated by exciting plays than let's advance the football via a flag plays. I know the result is that many more yards down the field, but it's just not all that exciting. I think two guys fighting for the ball on the outside and a debatable call is more exciting than just throw the flag, give them their 28 yards because the D-back came in and grabbed his arm a little before, a split second before the ball got there. There's no doubt. I mean, we don't want to see penalties. Nobody wants to see penalties. We want to see good plays. And one of the things that I always get frustrated with when you're looking at it from a defensive perspective is they let the wide receivers get away with pushing off constantly. But the moment the D-back attempts to hand fight or do whatever, they throw the flag. So I do mm-hmm. like that they're letting them battle a little bit more because if you're going to let the wide receivers push off and be physical, you got to let your D-backs be physical as well. I agree. And I think this is, and I may never find out. I always use this reference. There has not been one official score in major league baseball this year who's come for it and been deep throat and showed the email that came from uh three, four, five uh, Madison Avenue from the major league baseball offices said, listen, anytime it's debatable between a hit and an error score, it is a hit because we want to pump up our offensive numbers this year. No one has copped to that. I've seen enough games where I go, what the hell? Of course, that's an error. How can you judge that as a hit? So sometimes they're good at keeping this stuff under wraps. I think that's what they're doing in the NFL this year. And I'm perfectly fine with it. I think it does make the game more exciting. So good on the NFL from going there. All right, Eagles and Bucks tonight at 7.15. Nice early start for a Monday night game. Um, Looking forward to it. And both Bill and I will give you a score coming up in the uh, next 45 minutes because that's what we got left to the show but coming up next my buddy rob Marty from the associated press uh covered the eagles for years right here in town for the ap now it covers the entire national football league and is based out of south florida so he'll be at raymond james tonight for the showdown between the eagles and bucks two two and oh teams going up against each other we'll get rob Marty up next here on birds 365 go to get your game on go for the beers Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You got Birds 365 streaming into your living room or your phone or your computer or wherever else you may be receiving us today. We thank you for uh, streaming in and hopping aboard with us. Getting ready for a Monday night showdown between the Bucks and the Eagles in Tampa. Uh, is he ready to join us? Let's punch our buddy Rob Marty up from the Associated Press, former Philly guy, now a Tampa guy, but he's Philly at heart. Don't let him ever get, kid you for anything else. But I know he's also a pro's pro, so he's going to go to the press box tonight and not root at all. Right, Mike? You ever, you, ever, you ever lose it? You ever just uh, give the little fist bump that you're not supposed to and somebody looks at you sideways in the press box? I haven't, but I've certainly seen a ton of guys do that. Uh, <laughs> there's a certain section in the, pre- in the in when I used to be at the Eagles press box, Jody, and I had a, a lot of radio guys. And sometimes they they get a little out of hand. They get a little uh, radio guys. Not radio guys. Radio guys wouldn't do that. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Thank you very much for confirming that for me. Yeah, there's been a few quiet downs down there. So uh, there's a and then the print guys, Jody, it it used to be so like Eagles press box when I was there for 20 plus years used to be so uh, it was like a segment of of print media, then the TV and the radio guys. And and there was some animosity sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad to be a. uh, in in a fun, friendly, palm tree filled, beautiful Florida, where the Tampa media is all welcoming, and and it's it's going to be a fun night. I've been to every Bucks game now for the last home game for the last three years. I haven't seen any fights walking into the stadium. Nothing. There's a lot of teams opposing fans. Zero. I'm hoping that streak continues tonight because I know there's going to be a big contingent of Eagles fans down there. So I hope I can say the same after tonight that there still haven't been any fights as I'm walking into the stadium, looking around in the parking lots and at the fans and at the tailgates. So I I need Philly to do me proud tonight. I'm rooting for it too, but I don't know if you're going to get lucky enough to get that. Uh, There there may be some hijinks before the game starts. But let me uh, give you a question I asked of uh, 
Jeff Kerr and Bill and I discussed it already too. Eagles versus Tampa. Is it a true rivalry? It's not Eagles-Cowboys. It's not Eagles-Giants, but it's better than the Eagles and the Bengals or uh, the San Diego Chargers, LA Chargers, whatever. It's not intra-conference, it's inter-conference. How good a rivalry do you think Eagles-Bucks is? It was certainly a better rivalry back in uh, the early 2000s when the Eagles beat them two years in a row in the playoffs. And then we all know what happened when Gruden came up to the vet and closed it out with the uh, the victory in the NFC Championship game. And Rondé Barber is going to get honored tonight for going into the Hall of Fame. So Eagles fans are going to see that up close and have that memory smack them in the face. They probably should bring Joe Jaravicious out and have him do something if they really want to get on Eagles fans' nerves too. But I think it was a bigger rivalry then. If you're talking about non-divisional opponent, you know, they played in the playoffs a couple of years ago. They're they're ta- they're facing each other now at 2-0, although I don't believe in the Bucs as a true 2-0 undefeated team right now. It's 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 better, as you said, than an Eagles, someone else outside the NFC East type of matchup. Rob, you mentioned you've been to all these Bucks games, and I've watched some of these games on tape, and I'm seeing Baker Mayfield, a quarterback who's playing a very efficient style of football, not taking a lot of risks, and when he is, he's going to Mike Evans, who he knows he can trust on these 50-50 balls. Are you seeing Baker Mayfield play some of the best quarterback play he's had in his career? Yeah, and I think he's benefited from some really solid coaching. I really like Dave Canales as an offensive coordinator. He's come in and been a significant upgrade over Byron Leftwich from last year. And, of course, it's a different offense, different quarterback, different system. You're going from the GOAT to Baker Mayfield. But I think we saw a little bit of Baker, what he can do. The, the year he led the Browns to the playoffs. And then last year when he ends up with Sean McVay, like th- this is a guy who was a number one overall pick for a reason. He's got some talent. And what I've seen from him is some poise Uh, some maturity, Uh, a guy who kind of realizes like this probably is going to be my last opportunity to be a number one quarterback in the NFL. And and he's making the most of it. And uh, as you said, Mike Evans is is a go-to guy for any quarterback would be smart to throw to him. I think he's one of the most underrated players, wide receivers in the NFL. I think if Mike, I've said this before, if Mike Evans retired today, he should be a first ballot hall of famer with the numbers he's put up. Uh, You got Chris Godwin, who's one of the better slot receivers in the NFL. And that could be, an area where the Buccaneers look to exploit the Eagles tonight, especially without Avante Maddox. But uh, Baker's played mistake-free, turnover-free football, and, and that helps you. That's going to help you win games. I think this is going to certainly be their toughest matchup tonight against the Eagles. And if they somehow came out of this at three and zero, maybe then they'll start making the non-believers like myself believers. Now, of course, they're in the NFC South, which is a division that's, I still think, up for grabs. Anyone could win that division. Uh, I I thought the Saints had the edge, but if their car's going to be out for an extended period of time, right now it's there for the Buccaneers to take it, win or lose tonight. They still have that opportunity. They got playmakers on defense. If Baker can continue to protect the football and play smart, error-free, they're going to be in a lot of games. All right. uh, Mighty Man, last year the Eagles had 70 sacks miraculously, according to some in Jonathan Gannon's uh, soft defense, but they got 70 sacks last year, almost an NFL record for an overall season. They haven't gotten sacks so far this year. They've gotten good pressures, specifically from up the middle. The two big Georgia kids and Fletcher Cox have been very good at generating pressure up the middle uh, to force the pocket to move. 
but they haven't gotten at home from the outside, from the edges just yet. We know it's on Reddick's playing with the club on his hand because of the, the surgery he had to have on his finger. Uh, BG hadn't gotten home yet. Derek Barnett is still on his team. Why? I don't know. But uh, is this a breakout night for the Eagles potentially to get a couple of sacks with the fact that uh, the, the Tampa Bay line is not as good as it was a couple of years ago when this team won the Super Bowl? Yeah, and they're very susceptible up the middle. But I will say this, Jody, sometimes pressures are more important and better than sacks. Ah, uh, you sound like McMullen. I well, can't. you know what? Uh, I Nothing's saw, better than a sack. Nothing. Well, nothing. Nothing is better than a sack. I'm sorry. All right. Explain this to me. In, in, in 10-year-old flag football on Friday night, my daughter's playing against boys, the only girls in the league. Nice. Alexia gets a pressure up the middle, about to sack the quarterback. He throws a pick six. Would you rather have the sack? Or the pick six. Of course not. Of course you'd rather have the pick <laughs> six. But, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Unless you could have had this great pressure and the guy could have thrown it up for grabs and they could have come down with a 60-yard touchdown pass. Unless it's a pick six or a turnover, yeah, you're going to take – you're going right. to take – you're going to take sack the sack. That's it. There's no, there's no even potential downside. A sack's a sack. That, With a pressure, it could be great or it could be awful and meaningless. It, this could be this could be the game where you see the Eagles get uh, four or five potential sacks and uh, Jalen Carter can have a night to, to, tonight and Fletcher Cox and all the guys up the middle. I, I think they're going to have to figure out that's that's where the Eagles are going to dominate is, is that offensive line, although they're improved over the the group that gave Tom Brady absolutely no time to throw last year. I think he got rid of the ball faster last season uh, than he did at any point in his life because he had to live and survive to make it to the end of the year. Uh, the the Eagles got they got that opportunity and uh, it, it's it's going to be one right there up the middle. I don't think the Buccaneers can run the football effectively. They're averaging 3.3 yards per carry as a team. So they're going to certainly try to do that. They're going to try and run the football. Eagles shut them down trying to run. Now they, they, they're going to put them in passing situations. They're going to come after them in, in the past. And this might be the game, Jody, where you finally see some guys rack up some of those numbers so they can get back on their way of trying to match what they did last year. They may not get to 70. They probably won't have four guys with double digits like last year. But but I think this is a, a dominant type defensive performance uh, that we could find tonight. You mentioned the offensive coordinator for the Bucs, and I do think he's been calling some really good games because the weakness on that Tampa Bay Bucks offensive line is the interior, but I've been seeing he's got Mayfield running a lot of play action, rolling out, and getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Even though Mayfield threw for over 300 yards against the Chicago Bears, 27 of his pass plays were for less than 20 yards down the field. Is that what you're seeing? Just a lot of short, quick, effective throws getting the ball out of his hands fast? Yeah, and, and you just want to keep the keep the chains moving, right? Keep get the ball out of his hands, keep him safe, uh, escape, be be free from those turnovers, get the first downs, and and maybe somebody busts one loose. Like Rashad White's a playmaker. You get him a little uh, short screen pass or something, maybe he he takes that the distance. Maybe he gets you 40, 50 yards. Hasn't happened yet, but that's that's what the hope is. That's what the goal is. But that's what you have to do with an offensive line. You just don't you're not going to have time to sit back there, survey the field, find a guy deep. And and now that there was there was a couple deep balls, uh one to Mike Evans, 
uh, earlier in this season that, that they had the time for, and, and he made the play. But I think that's the kind of offense where Dave Canales is a guy who's trying to work with what he has and, and use it to the best of his advantage. Sometimes we see offensive coordinators come in and it's their system and they're going to make the quarterback and the players fit into their scheme. He's taking his scheme, his system, kind of like what Sirianni did when he first came into Philadelphia and catering it to what the guys on the offense can do and what they can do best. Money man on a scale of zero to 10, zero being, ha ha, I laugh at you. 10 being cowering in the corner in the fetal position hidden under a blanket. How fearful should the Eagles be of Rashad White tonight, the Bucks starting running back? Uh, I'm at a four, four, five. I, I think he's a guy who can make plays, certainly, uh, when the ball is in his hands. And he can catch it coming out of the backfield. So uh, if they can exploit a, a matchup there, uh, I, I think this, the Bucks will certainly take advantage of it. But as far as running the ball, I mean, he's at that three, two, three, three yards per carry. It's it's not going to – I don't see that getting any better tonight. Uh, I think his best shot is getting him the ball in space, not turning around and handing it off to him or pitching it to him. I don't think he's going to do much damage that way. But if the Buccaneers can find a way to exploit a matchup, get him the ball in space, he's shifty, he's fast, he's elusive, that's where he can make something happen. Um, I'm not overly concerned about Rashad White. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield, or anyone on this Buccaneers team tonight, I, I think that this is a game where the Eagles come in, they cover, they may not win by a, a big, I think I had it 27-20, but I got the Bucs scoring like a late garbage touchdown to make it a little bit closer. I, I don't think at any point tonight, Eagles fans, those who made the trip to Tampa, and I know there's going to be a loud contingent of them, are going to have to be sitting there afraid uh, uh, biting their nails or fingers because that they think this game's up in the balance. I think the Eagles are going to come in there and, and, and impose their will on the Buccaneers, and we haven't seen them dominate yet uh, in any in any of their first two games. And even though they put up a lot of points on Thursday night against Minnesota, there was a lot of criticism after that game. Kind of reminded me of that Thursday night win in 2019 going down to Lambeau where the Eagles won that game and people were criticizing afterwards. Oh, Carson didn't have 200 yards passing, but they ran the ball. They ran it right. effectively in that game. They had three passing touchdowns. They had no turnovers. They beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field and scored 34 points. And it kind of reminded me after that Thursday night game against Minnesota, similar criticism. I think this is the game where people are going to walk out of it and go, all right, that's the Eagles team that went to the Super Bowl. Now, they're, now they've arrived. They found their identity for 2023. Yeah, Jody and I are going to give our predictions shortly, but a little teaser. I agree with you, Rob, 100%. <laughs> so, jumping over to the defensive side of the ball for the Bucs, one of the advantages when you look at the roster for the Bucs and the Eagles, most of the roster positions, the Eagles have the advantage, but linebacker looks like something the Bucs would have the advantage on. But I talked to Jeff Kerr about this as well. According to Pro Football Focus, Levante David and Devin White, two guys who historically are very good linebackers, don't have a good rating this year. Are you seeing them not playing good football? Or is that just pro football focus getting it wrong? Well, and, and it wouldn't be the first time that pro football focus has gotten it wrong, that's for sure. Levante David's 33 years old. He's been an all-pro in the NFL. He, he's one of the best uh, linebackers we've seen in decades. And uh, could he be now at that point in his career where at some point you, you, you hit that 13 years into the league, you're going to start taking a little bit of, of a dip. Maybe he's not where he has been. Uh, Devin White uh, was a little bit frustrated not getting the contract that he wanted. 
Uh, I, I still think that he's a guy who's playing for that next big deal. And, and at some point you'll see him do he's a he's a playmaking linebacker who can I'm not going to put him in Micah Parsons category and Mike is more of an edge rusher now than a linebacker but he's a guy who can have that type of impact on a football game you're right when you look at both sides it's the only area where I would say the Buccaneers have a legitimate advantage over the Eagles and it's the linebacking core and, and I still think the Eagles can exploit some matchups take advantage of that they, they got so many weapons offensively it's such a dynamic offense they could run the football as we saw they can pass the football. there hasn't been a Dallas Goddard game there hasn't been an AJ Brown game yet who's going to be the guy who gets the eight for 120 uh, they have so many different options I think one of those guys will step it up tonight all right Marty man I want to do some role playing with you okay I'm going to make you Mike McDaniel. You be Mike McDaniel. I'll be a member of the Dolphin Media. So, Mike, what do you do for an encore? <laughs> well, uh, if, uh, if I'm Mike McDaniel, I got to be quirky. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Always could, is. Very I'm good. Not, I'm not sure good, I could pull off playing out of you, Marty. <laughs> that, my, that Miami Vice, I should have put on a white shirt and a pink shoes. And a, yeah, I had that back in the 80s. I've, I've seen you rock that. What do you man, mean? I mean? Go to the closet. Get it out right now. Ricardo Tubbs, man. I, I was that guy. But yeah, I, they're rolling. They are certainly rolling. They looked unstoppable yesterday on offense. The only time they stopped it, they got stopped is when they stopped themselves from scoring 73 at the end of the game and took a knee. I would have kicked that field goal, Jody. You, you already rolled up the score. Why not have your name at the top of the list? Uh, I, I think Sean Payton, after what he said about Nathaniel Hackett, I think any coach in the NFL it, it can can go out there and rub it in a little bit if he wanted to. But the the Dolphins are certainly clicking, and uh, Mike McDaniel's never they're never going to match that kind of offensive production, 750 plus yards and 70 points. But they could certainly continue. Uh, to make life miserable for opposing defensive coordinators. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to be the class of the AFC East. I had the Jets until Aaron Rodgers went down, so that tells you what I know right now. But uh, uh, I, I certainly I certainly look at the Dolphins as a, a legitimate contender. If that I, Well, they got to keep Tua healthy. So far they have. And I know he's bulked up. I know he's wearing that quarterback-specific helmet that uh, is, is somewhat – of a, of a help we don't know until he gets dumped on his head really until he gets his his helmet smashed on the turf at some point but uh if they can keep him healthy man they got so many weapons and it, it, it's it's going to be hard to stop this team so let's jump over to the nfc east a lot of eagles fans obviously are excited the cowboys lose to the cardinals but let's look at another 2-0 team that was in the nfc east who's now 2-1 the Washington Commanders. I have not been a guy who's been high on Sam Howell, but he played decent in the first two games. Yesterday, four interceptions, sacked nine times. Is that what we should expect from Sam, Sam Howell, or do you think he's actually a better quarterback than what he showed yesterday? I think that's a little bit closer to what you're going to see from most quarterbacks. Right, Bill, if you get no time in the pocket, you get absolutely – you, you get bulldozed. You're overpowered. Uh, when, when you have no time, you're gonna and and you're a inexperienced quarterback like Sam Howell. You're gonna put it up for grabs. You're gonna get picks. You got to get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball fast and throw it uh, at someone's feet or throw it out of uh, out of bounds. Um, that to me is more of what I expected from the Washington Commanders this year. A, a lot a lot of ups and downs. A team that's trying to figure out their way. A team that's riding the emotional support and wave of new ownership and kind of gets by this year uh, from a fan base standpoint on the excitement that 
Dan Snyder's no longer here, and whether they go six and eleven or ten and seven, which I can't foresee them doing that. Fans are excited that it's a new era, it's a new regime. Now it's Ron Rivera coaching for his job with that new ownership because they're certainly want to going to want to come in and, and put bring in their guy and and uh, anything short of playoff. Uh, success for this team, I think, is going to do it for for Ron, who's a good coach. He's been a good coach in the in the NFL, but he's also made some mistakes, that's for sure, along the way. Um, I, I never thought that Sam Howell was going to be the long term answer, but I needed to see him, and I'm not going to base it on one game where he had no time to throw. Like you said, Bill, he looked good uh, in the first couple games of the season. Let's give him the, this is a learning year for the commanders. They want to find out if Sam is going to be that guy. And he certainly could prove me and other people wrong and go out there and show you that he's got that potential. I don't think anybody thought Brock Purdy would be the answer for the San Francisco 49ers until you go out there and do it. Uh, you got to give that guy an opportunity. Now, you, you mentioned new ownership. And before we move on, you're a Philly guy. New ownership, Josh Harris, who also owns the Philadelphia 76ers. In my opinion, that is a massive violation to <laughs> own the 76ers and the Washington Commanders. I know he owns the Devils, but Sixers and Commanders, what's your take as a Philly guy, Rob? Yeah, honestly, I, I, I don't care about that because if I had that kind of coin, man, if I had billions and billions of dollars, I'm going to go out there and buy the Dallas Cowboys from Jerry Jones. I, I'm, I'm a good dude. No matter where I was born, no matter what my rooting yeah. interest was, I sat in the seven on a level as a kid and, and, and was there for the fourth and one game and the snowballs at Jimmy Johnson game. But if I had that kind of money, I'm like, hey, Jerry, what's it going to take? I'm, I'm going to go out there and buy anybody that I can. I'll buy the Mets. I'll, I'll buy the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, I'll, just I'll, to own I'll, a team. Yeah, just to own a team. So, nah, if you if you can do it, if you can pull that off, uh, kudos to Josh Harris. That's the way I look at it. And, oh, by the way, Bill, get used to it. That's yeah. going to be the way things are going going forward. The prices have skyrocketed so much. One individual can't do it. It's going to be groups. It's going to be borderline corporations buying teams, and somebody's got to be the lead dog. And Josh, so I, I got a shot. Then I got a shot of a piece. You got a shot. Oh, I'm absolutely <laughs> telling you, you got a chance for me. I, I need a shot. Not a problem. Um, and speaking of that rush that Buffalo put on Sam Howell yesterday, just beating the snot out of him. Even that being the case. I'll tell you that it wasn't a offensive Washington offensive line when it was uh, the worst beat up yesterday. That was ex-Eagle Andre Dillard, who got abused by Miles Garrett yesterday, like a turnstile. They were going uh, around and by and through him yesterday. Um, I wish McMullen was on here today because he was a big uh, Dillard fan who thought he was going to beat out uh, Mylotta in their camp battle a couple of years ago. It didn't happen. Um I, I I don't want to wish ill on the guy, but did uh, the Tennessee Titans overpay him to put him in at left guard and watch him get abused by Miles Garrett? Miles Garrett's going to abuse a lot of guys, Jody, but mm -hmm. uh, certainly, uh, as as you said, when 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 they put in that kind of effort, that kind of performance, with them, ninety four yards of total offense, I never bought into the Tennessee Titans. I, I just I thought they were a fraud a couple years ago, and then they went out and got the number one seed and lost in their first game. Uh, I, I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill. And then when you go into a game like that and your offensive um, 
play calling is seven, I believe, out of the first nine plays, throwing the football when your offensive line's getting destroyed like that. And you got Derrick Henry back there and Ryan Tannehill. You're not, it, you know, this isn't Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or, or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady at quarterback. You got Derrick Henry and you're facing a team that's going to eat your quarterback alive. Hand the ball to that big guy. Give it to him early in the game. So I think their play calling left a lot to be desired. And, and uh, they're, they're lucky, they're fortunate that they're in the AFC South. I thought that the Jags would run away with it. I, and you saw yesterday the Jags. There's always that. Doug Peterson always gives you that one game where his team goes into. Uh, you, you think that it's a, it's an easy one. They're going to win this. And, and they lay a clunker. And uh, I still think they're the class of the AFC South. But you certainly uh, look around that division and say everybody's in it just because nobody's going to run away and be dominant. And, and even though Tennessee and Andre Dillard and, and they had a horrible performance against the Browns team, whose defense, by the way, we talked about Jonathan Gannon, uh, Jim Schwartz, has Oof. he's, he's done Killing so it. He's, yeah, he, he's got a nice looking defense there in Cleveland through three uh, weeks of the season. So uh, Eagles, former defensive coordinators, had a big day yesterday. I know Eagles fans are, were down on JG. Uh, he did him a solid by beating the Cowboys yesterday. Is there any love? Is there anything like that going on? I feel like anybody sending a bouquet of flowers or, or, or maybe what, what is that? Edible arrangements? Maybe some, <laughs> something to Jonathan Gannon? I, I would I wouldn't wait by the door for that delivery if I'm JG. Just saying, uh, yeah. Don't think the Eagle fans will be changing their overall opinion on him. All right, uh, we're running out of time here, so we need an official score from you, Mister Marty. You kind of said Eagles win, hanging in the balance, not so much. Maybe a late score from Tampa that makes it closer on the scoreboard than the actual play of the game. What do you got for a final score, Eagles Bengals, uh, Eagles Bucks tonight? Well, I, I just had to look it up, Jody, because I, I make my pro picks. I have to pick every NFL game straight up and against the spread yeah, on you Wednesday. Do. What did you on do? You're the, you, you're the National Football League guy for the AP. They're going to make you work for a living. On a Wednesday. You know how, how Wednesday, much the Wednesday's, line moves? Wednesday's a little early. I'll yeah, the line moves. So I had to go back and, and find it. I did. I had the Eagles at 27-20 in this game. I, I, I think, you know, they, they haven't looked they haven't looked sharp yet, but they're undefeated, and, and, and the Buccaneers have been better than expected, and Mayfield's been efficient, and the team's got playmakers. But I, I think Eagles fans get to avenge that playoff loss from uh, two years ago, two seasons ago when uh, the, the Eagles came in there and, and Tom Brady. I think that was Brady's last playoff win was against the Philadelphia Eagles. That was it. That was his last playoff win where they dominated them in that game. And we had questions after that. Is Jalen Hurts going to be a guy that you win with or you win because of? And then we found out last year that Jalen Hurts is a guy that you win because of. And, and I think tonight he'll show you that he's that guy. Eagles win 27-20. I lied. I'm going to make you make one more prediction, but this should be a layup for you. You pick games on Wednesday. So I'm asking you to make a prediction on the day of the game. That should be very easy. AJ Brown charting stats tonight, four and a half catches, 65 yards. You're going under over four and a half catches under over 65 yards. Oh, you kidding me with those Monday night cameras watching to make sure that there's no sideline spat that gets overblown. I, I think eight. So it, it'll be AJ blowing that out of the water over four and a half over 65. It might, it'll be Devonte Smith who probably has to sit there and say, what about me? Wait, wait, wait. How about me? I think that'll be perfectly fine. Uh, Mighty man. Always a pleasure, brother. 
You're not dressing as uh, one of the Miami Vice guys going to the game tonight, are you? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Not going to the back of the cloud to bring out that. Uh, I'm going to find it for my next appearance on Birds. <laughs> there you go. We need that look right here on Birds 365. Rob, always a pleasure. Right. Thanks for jumping in, big guy. Take care, guys. Thanks, Rob. I'm Marty here with us on Birds 365. Lead writer for the Associated Press gets an easy assignment tonight, one he loves. Going over to watch the Eagles and the Bucks. Yeah, about a 20-minute drive from his house. He's got it easy. John McMullen had a longer uh, way to get down there. He is traveling to Tampa today. That's why I'm with Bill Colarulo. When we come back, a couple more notes on the game. And, yes, both of us will get on the record with a score for tonight's Eagles game. If the Birds win, they go to 3-0. There's only two other 3-0 teams. It took us all of three weeks to whittle it down to three teams at 3-0. Will it be the Bucks? Or will it be the Eagles? Bill and I will come back and give you our official picks on the game here on Birds 365. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season and let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
365, your buddy Jody Mack here, Bill Calarulo by my side, filling in for John McMullen today. He of the Legal's Hands to Face podcast, got to check it out. Uh, Bill doing a great job filling in for us here today. All right, Bill, last couple of minutes, give me what you think is the key matchup or element of the game. Make it from an Eagle perspective, Bucks perspective, whichever you think is uh, more on point. Uh, that will direct the outcome of this game. Uh, Eagles offensive line against the Bucks front and Vita Bea, the Eagles passing defense, which has given up 300 yards in both of their first two games. But one, that's the Fangio defense. You give up yards, you just don't give up chunk plays. Um, Jalen Hurts going for 300 yards, 200 yards. Can we get the 200, Jalen? Uh, who's going to be actually the running back? There's a whole bunch of things that are in question coming into tonight's game. Give me which one you think is the key element to the game. And then, yeah, I'm going to ask you to give me an official score on Bucks Eagles. I think on the defensive side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles is they have to find a way to pressure Baker Mayfield. In two games this year, the Bucks' offensive line has only given up one sack. I think a lot of that is because of the type of offense they're running, play action, very quick and short passes but they haven't faced a defensive line like this Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. So I think if the Eagles D-line, especially the interior, is able to cause pressure on Baker Mayfield, make him make mistakes. They haven't turned the ball over at all in two games. Let's get pressure on Mayfield, especially up the middle there, force him to make a mistake and turn the ball over. I think that'll be a key to the game tonight. If you're right about the turnovers, then I think the Eagles can actually win easily. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think Tampa has done a good job at uh, protecting the football. And Mayfield is play. He's. I don't think anybody's ever considered Baker Mayfield a dumb football player. I think he's got some quarterback savvy to him. I just think every once in a while he's inaccurate, and that can end up in turnovers. But he's played smart and tough the first couple of games, and I expect him to do so again tonight. Uh, key for me is a guy we didn't talk about much today, and it could be a key readdition. They were without Reed Blankenship last week. And I know we're only a year and change removed from Reed Blankenship being an undrafted free agent who we didn't even know who the hell he was. Oh, this guy made the Eagles? Reed Blankenship? Who is he? Um, but he has very quickly become their best safety, their number one safety, the guy who they're going to have out there for 100% of the snaps on defense. They missed him last week. I don't think there's any question about it. And uh, he should be back in the lineup tonight. Eagles down a couple of guys. We know Maddox is out and Quez Watkins out. No Boston Scott. So maybe even Rashad Penny gets a carry or two tonight. I think Blankenship has a good game. He comes in and gets double-digit tackles, maybe as many as 10 tackles for Reed Blankenship. If he makes a big play, comes up with a fumble and or an interception, uh, he could very well be the star of the game tonight. So uh, two different ways to look at it. I like both our ways. Uh, Rob Motti just gave us 27-20 Eagles over uh, Buccaneers. I got John McMullen to text me live from the airport what he thinks the final score will be. And he says... 27 21 so McMullen and Marty in the same exact neighborhood where does Bill Colorulo come down on the score for the Eagles and the Bucks tonight well it's crazy that John and Marty both said 27 because I'm already on record on my Instagram pa- Instagram page 
given the same prediction. I got the Eagles putting up 27 points tonight as well, but I have the Bucs only scoring 17. I okay. don't think that they're going to be able to put up enough points to match this Philadelphia Eagles offense. All right, uh, so you got 27-17, McMullen 27-21, Marty 27-20. I'm going to go a little bit, and feel free to hate on me, Eagle fans, and those of you who like to wager on the game. Um, the Eagles are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I've got them winning by five, which basically means they can cover. Some places it's still five, uh, so you got to go shopping if you want to get in on the action at four-and-a-half. I've got them winning by five, and the over-under is 45. And I think there will be exactly 45 points scored in the game. Week one of the season, the Eagles beat the Patriots 25-20. to 20. And 25 doesn't pop up all that often, but it did. Game one for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it pops up again here. Same exact score as week one. Eagles beat the Bucks 25-20 and get the 3-0. and And we'll be down only three teams in the league that are 3-0. and Dolphins, 49ers, Eagles. And I thought the 49ers Eagles could both get out to 3-0. and And I thought it was a possibility for the Fish, uh, but I thought there'd be at least one other AFC team that's 3-0. and It's the Dolphins and only the Dolphins as of uh, tonight. Hey, yeah, Bill, did an outstanding job today. Thank you very much for doing it. Uh, we will have you on when uh, we need an extra helping hand. Appreciate you doing it today. Uh, it was a fun, Jody. It's game day, too. So I got a little little lucky here. Got to do a game day with the famous Jody Mack. So I'm I'm, I'm a big fan. The, the foolish Jody Mack, but that's okay. Thank <laughs> you very much, Matt. Uh, Looking forward to having you on again down the road. Uh, Bill's got a 27-17. Um, Johnny Mack, 27-21. Uh, and Rob Motti, 27-20. I say 25-20. Everybody's picking the Eagles. That sometimes can be a bad sign. When everybody's on one side, you, you got to take a peek to the other side. But uh, hopefully the Eagles are victorious. And we're back here on Birds 365 tomorrow morning talking about a 3-0 team. Thanks to everybody who streamed in. When you're going out the door, go ahead and hit that like button. Xander, tell me, get, get that uh, like button hit. We appreciate those of you who stream. And if you want to like us on the way out, do so. And you can like us again tomorrow after an Eagles victory because we'll be back here on Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.